morning. Welcome to the weekly text-based Tanya Shear. Today's Shear is dedicated in honor and loving memory of Tzipi's father, Tzvi Doiv Ben Yeshua Menachem Mendel. His neshama should have an aliyah. This is the second yardside today, today, and surely he has a lot of nachas from the Tanya Shear and from his daughter learning Tanya. And uh, it was a yid who was his whole his whole mitzias was davening and learning, and so this is a perfect place to mention him. And I'm sure that he's involved in this. He gets a lot of nachas, a lot of pleasure from it. Okay, so and uh, Tzipi told me, by the way, that uh, when 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 she pictures the bainini, she says she has a good visual reference to. Imagine who this Benini that the Alter Rebbe keeps talking about is. So you could, you could, you could see pictures on Sippy's iPhone of the, the picture of the Benini if you want. After class, we'll have a show and tell. Okay. All right. So we're in the middle, of, or actually not in the middle, toward the end of which chapter? 13. 13. Very good. Excellent. By the way, that's a chapter I say every day for already a few years. You say chapter 13? Every single day. Yeah. Oh, a group that does all the chapters of Tanya collectively. What? Collectively, the the group does all the chapters. That's very nice. Okay, so this is your chapter. Okay. Now, if you remember, we were talking about the fact that the Benini internally has all of the issues of a Russia, and yet because of Meich Shaltolev, which is something we all have, but he uses it. He's able to maintain perfect behavior. We also mentioned that there are times, specifically uh, during deep meditative prayer, when he gets into a zone where it's as if he's a tzaddik and he has no yetzahara and uh, he has a respite. He doesn't have to struggle. There's nothing to struggle against for those, for those periods of time. And then, unfortunately, as soon as that's over and he goes back to regular life, then he's beset by the struggle again. He has to be vigilant once again because the Yitzhahat is trying to uh, issue its opinions in his ear. Like we're describing at the beginning of this chapter that he has two judges who are giving their ideas and he has to pick the right side. And then Hashem comes and is the... uh, the tiebreaker. Okay, so that's where we left off last week. Today is our last class before we're going to break for Pesach. As we mentioned before class, but I'll mention again tonight, especially for the YouTube audience, is uh, if you're watching this live or you're watching the day, the day of, which is uh, Gimel, Nissan, Tavshin, Pei Base, there's another class tonight, 8 o'clock at the Pevsner's Spiritual Spring Cleaning. That's part of our monthly lecture series here at Chabad of the Five Towns. Then I'm going to run from the Pevsners back to my house to the Soul Word Studios <laughs> in beautiful downtown Cedarhurst. <laughs> and we're going to do... Back Cedarhurst. What? Back Cedarhurst. Back Cedarhurst. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we're going to have our 30 Letters in 30 Days class Um Tonight, and I think tonight is class, I think it's 23, yeah? 
23. Okay, tonight's 23. And also, please remember that class number 30 will be early Yud Aleph Nissan, the night going into Yud Aleph Nissan, the Rebbe's birthday. And there's going to be a special women's fabrengen at the aisle. We have a special, it's a Monday a night. Tonight. It's a week from tonight. It's a, we have secured a venue for a women's gathering a, a block from the aisle. There's a, there's a venue there. It's a block away from the aisle. So the women will have their own space, their own event. And that's where we'll do... Class number 30. 30ladders30days.org. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a, a carpool and uh, we're renting a party bus. So our next Tanya class is Monday, April 25th. It's a joke. It's a joke. What? No, no, no. I'm all excited about the party bus. That's the party bus. This is the party bus. Toyota Camry is the party bus. <laughs> Do you have a Camry? No. It was just a guess. <laughs> Toyota. Type Toyota. Okay. okay, type April 25th is our next Tanya class, correct? April 25th sounds right, yeah. Yeah, April 25th will <coughs> reconvene the weekly Tanya class. Okay. Is the day after Pesach? It's the day after Pesach. Pesach events Shabbos. So. Yisruchach is Sunday, and then that Monday is Tanya. Yeah. Okay, so I think we'll probably be back to class by then. All right. So, Velochein. And therefore, we're about to get an answer to a question we had back in Perek Aleph. Back in Chapter 1, we had this question. When we were trying to figure out what Tzadik Rosh Hashanah really are, we asked a question about a story where Rabbah, the Amoira Rabbah, said, for instance, if you want to know who's a Benini, I'm a Benini. And we had a question. We said, Rabba's a Benini? What are you talking about? We know that Rabba never stopped learning Torah. Forget about the fact that he didn't do Avedas. We know he didn't do Avedas. But not only he never did an Aveda, he never stopped doing mitzvahs because he was constantly doing mitzvahs. He was constantly learning. Even when the Malachamavas came to get him, he couldn't take him because he was Isaac mitzvah. He was constantly learning Torah. And this is a Benini? That's a ba- How could that be a Benini? That's crazy. Then what's higher than that? So we had that question back from chapter 1, like, if, if that's the description of a, a, a Benini, then what's a Tzaddik? And, uh, yeah, we weren't really sure. Well, now, in Pedigud Gimel, we're getting an answer to that question. Took us 13 chapters, but we're getting an answer. And the answer is, therefore, This is why Rabba thought he was a Benini. No, he wasn't being humble. He really thought he could have been a Benini. Even though his mouth never ceased from Torah study, he knew. And if you would have asked him, see, Rabbah wouldn't have been unsure of the facts. He knew the facts. Like, if you would ask him, do you ever stop learning Torah? He would tell you, no, I never stop. Never stop. Oh, so... You're a tzaddik. No, no, I wouldn't make that assumption. I wouldn't assume that I'm a tzaddik. Could be a benini. I think I probably am a benini. Why? Why did he think that? 
So why did Rabbi think he's a Benny even though his mouth never stopped from Torah study? And Hashem's Torah was all he wanted day and night. With desire and pining and longing. And his soul was constantly yearning for Hashem with great, intense love like happens to the Benini when he's saying Shema or davening. But he, except he was having it all the time. It never stopped. V'nidma be'enov, it seemed in his eyes, k'beniyam ispalokolayim. He thought, hey, I'm just a ben who's davening all day. U'kamaymirazal, like the sages say, halavai shispalodim kolayim kolay. If only a person could daven all day long. Now we have a new understanding of what that saying is. We, we, we normally read that. Oh, if only I could just daven all day long. If I were a rich man, right? I could just daven all day long, right? But they, did he want to just daven all day long? No. But a chassidish rich guy would say, if I'd be independently wealthy, you know, if I would be Rothschild, I'd be richer than Rothschild because I'd do some tutoring on the side. So... <laughs> If I were independently wealthy, I would just dive and all that would be beautiful. I wouldn't even check my portfolio. I would have a guy who would check on a guy who would check my portfolio. And I would just dive in all day long. Okay, that's what we normally take it to mean. But here we have a deeper understanding of if only a person could dive in all day long. It means like this. Remember we said that a Bainini has a tzaddik-like reprieve when he's davening? Okay, so... Just don't stop davening. If, in theory, in theory, the Benini would go into the davening zone and then just not stop, then effectively his experience would be identical to that of a tzaddik. Now, also in theory, if he were to stop davening, he would revert to his Benini condition, his regular Benini condition, and be beset by the distractions of the Yetzirah. But as long as he would stay in the davening zone, then effectively, for all practical purposes, his experience would be like a tzaddik's experience. So Rabbah was, was, was thinking like this. He said, listen, I know that I don't have an actual experience with the Yetzirah that bothers me. But you think it's because I don't have a Yetzirah? You think I'm a Tzaddik? No! I think I'm a Benini, and I just go into that zone where even a Benini has a temporary reprieve from the Yetzirah. Except my reprieve isn't temporary, it's prolonged because I keep maintaining it. But if I would stop maintaining it, I would be subject to all that distraction and that internal noise, just like all the other Bainanim. So that's why he said, I'm a Bainani. And he meant and he meant it. He really meant it. Yeah? Why are we categorizing it? So you're asking a very basic fundamental question about the entire premise of the book, you realize. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so? So you're comfortable with that. All right, fine. 
All right, I just want you, I just want to make it clear. This is not a specific question, but right now you're, you're questioning the whole premise of the book because the premise of the book, it's called Sefer Shalbain in it. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. What's the difference? Okay. So, since you're asking, and you know that you're asking a very basic question, but basic doesn't mean a dumb question. It could mean a very big. Okay. I just it's very very basic. This is you're you're questioning the entire premise of the of the approach. Okay. No, but no no problem. All right. So. I've not, it's not a problem. We will accommodate. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but perhaps a little bit differently. Um, apparently, the Alter Rebbe thinks it is incredibly important and useful for us to understand these categories. Now, the category he really wants us to understand well is the Benini, and the Tzaddik and the Rasha are, are sort of for context, right? And the reason that the Alter Rebbe wants us to understand a Benini. And all these nuances as far as how is a Benini like a Rasha, but not like a Rasha, how is a Benini like a Tzaddik, but not like a Tzaddik, the, important, the importance of those ideas are for ultimately for our own, um, our own goal setting. Like you, you said, why do we have to know all this? So why can't we just serve Hashem? Well, you're free to do so. That's what we were doing before we started Tanya. Remember, we were also trying to serve Hashem before we started Tanya. The Alter Rebbe says in the Hakdama, I'm speaking to people who are already trying to serve Hashem. They're going about it on their own. I've been working out without a trainer. And I'm getting mixed results. So now I went to my trainer. My trainer says, I want to talk to you about, uh, about physiology, about biology. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just give me, some, give me a routine. Give me a workout routine. He's like, I want to explain to you how the body works. No, I don't want to know how it works. Just give me a routine. Well, you know, I want you to understand how things work so you can start to sort of understand where you need to focus your efforts. So apparently it's very important for me to understand, for instance, that behavioral perfection is attainable. As much as it may seem unattainable, the fact of the matter, and it's very important apparently for me to accept this, that behavioral perfection is attainable. Not only it's possible, but actually I'm obligated to, to attain it, or at least to pursue it. On the other hand, it's, it's apparently very important for me to understand that emotional conflict and confusion and internal distraction is unavoidable. And that... My goal should not be to, um, to, become free for, to become free from that, and I shouldn't feel like a failure when I continue to experience that. So these categorizations, it's not just a taxonomy, like you're going to a museum, and here's the Benini exhibit, and here's the Tzaddik exhibit, here's the Rasha exhibit. This is, these, these are models for me to use to evaluate my own progress and to understand which direction to work. So I want to work behaviorally and I want to be extremely exacting and demanding with myself as far as behavioral goals. I also need to be incredibly forgiving when it comes to my emotional goals because 
my condition, my unavoidable, inescapable condition is that on an emotional level, inevitably I'm going to, it's, it's going to be fraught with, with conflict. So this is all important for my own self-evaluation as I am progressing. Okay? All right. So, yeah. So I remember you said that Dhamma wasn't in the pamphlets, but it was in the Tanya. Is yeah. there anything of the 53 chapters that was changed or added? There's a lot meeting? that was changed over between the, the pamphlet. No, not over the years. No. Between the pamphlet versions that the Alter Rebbe made and the published version that was, as a bound book, there are many differences. There's actually something called the Madura Kama, which the Rebbe directed to be put out, which is a uh, replication of the, the text at exactly as it was in the pamphlet versions, and it highlights any of the textual changes and emendations. The most notable one is the insertion of the entire chapter 32, which was not there in the pamphlets, which we'll talk about in the when we get to 32. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. No, he says very clearly in in chapter one that the the terminology comes from the Gemara. Oh, from the Gemara, but in Tanakh when we refer to Yosef Right. Are we referring to Yosef Hashadik like he had no battle because he he did struggle with the Kufar wife? Right. So I mean that that's an interesting question. You could also ask about David Melech because it says that David Melech. In fact, in chapter one, it uses David Melech as the the example of a tzaddik. Right. right? Okay. So. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be. No. No. Terms can mean different things in different contexts. But according to the Balatanya's understanding of the Gemara, the Balatanya can explain that Gemara about Rabbah in the way that Tanya understands these terms. And the way that this Gemara about Rabbah could be understood, consistent with the terminology that Tanya uses, in the way that Tanya uses it, is that Rabbah was saying that I can never really know if I'm a tzaddik because I'm constantly maintaining a condition that even for a bainani alleviates the internal struggle. Okay? Are there other ways of learning the Gemara? Of course there are. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about something else, which is, what's this... I know this seems kind of like, I don't know, maybe I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that this discussion about the Bainanese tzaddik-like reprieves might seem kind of like, well, when, when is this ever going to happen for me? Why are we learning about this? But uh, we're going to go into more depth about these, about these periods of complete relief from any internal conflict. These um, times when the, the Benini is relieved because he's davening and he has this predomination of his nefesh and he's bringing out this love of Hashem. Uh, 
הנה לגבי מדרגס הצדיקים עבדי השם באמס לאמיתי אין בכינוס אבזו נקרס בשם אבדס אמס כלל. Compared to the tzaddikim who are truly serving Hashem, he says, Be'emes la'amitai, true, true, serving Hashem, truly, truly serving Hashem. So these beninim, their love of Hashem is not called avedis emes. It's not called true. Me'achar she'chalafes ve'everes achra tefila because it goes, it passes after davening. You have to understand that the word emes we translate it as true, but it means more than true. You know, Mark Twain said, if you never lie, you never have to remember anything. The truth is consistent. The truth is always the truth. Whatever the truth was yesterday, that's the truth tomorrow. So you don't have to remember. You just think, what's the truth right now? And if you were telling the truth a year ago, so you have the same answer a year ago as you do today. The truth is eternal. The truth is also constant. So for something to be called true, alpitaira, it has to be constant. So if you say, I love you, but not all the time, well, that's not true love. If it's true, then it's constant. So if the Baini says to Hashem, oh, at this moment, I have no foreign loves, no attraction to anything else. My only desire is Hashem. But then he puts away his talis and fill and he walks out into the street and he starts getting interested. Not that he'll do it, God forbid, because he's a bainani, but he starts getting interested in other things, other things that seem interesting or fun or pleasurable. Well then, well, what were you telling me? You're standing in shul telling me, Hashem says, that you love me, but then... 15 minutes later, you're standing outside and you're interested in other things. So how true was it? It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Okay, well, that's fine to say that it has some value. Maybe even you could say it has greater value because of the struggle. But don't call it true, because true is a word that's reserved for that which is eternal. Don't say, Hashem was Hashem today, but not yesterday. Why? Because I had a bad day yesterday, so Hashem was not Hashem. Hashem was not running the world. Come on. I'm using that as an example because I think it's enough of a strong statement that you all realize how silly it is. If something is true, Hashem runs the world, then don't pick and choose and tell me that when I like how my life is going, Hashem runs the world. And if I'm having a bad day, Hashem doesn't run the world. If something is true, it's always true. It's always true. Okay. So here's the deal. Yeah, it is. Well, the, the Al-Tareb is very smart. Yeah. yeah. So, listen to this. He says... Like, why are you worrying when it's a hard day? Why are you worrying? The Benini loves Hashem and only loves Hashem when he's davening, when he's in that zone. But then, after he's finished davening, he has other loves. Not that he acts on it because he's a Benini, but he, he feels it, feels it. He's struggling. He's struggling. So then, how is it true? It's not true. Okay, so it's not true. Call it something else. Okay. The Al-Tarebbe is not, is not okay with calling it not true. But he's not just going to... But it's not true. It's very problematic because according to everything we know about the word true, it's not true. But the Al-Tarebbe doesn't want to say that. 
Well, you want to use another word other than true? Real. Are you fooling yourself? Maybe you're fooling yourself. and You use davening to fool yourself that you only love God. So you get yourself into this zone when you daven that you think that you only love God. But apparently you don't only love God because 10 minutes after davening you start loving other things. So you don't only love God. All right, let's find out what the Alta Rebbe says. Because we're smart. We are very smart. But not as smart as the Alta Rebbe. And also, to not be yet. fair, the, not yet. The Alta Rebbe had, long, he had a longer amount of time to write the Tanya. So maybe he had, he had a while to think about a good answer. Maybe by the end of this so course. Maybe by the end of the course we'll be as smart as the Alta Rebbe. Okay, maybe. If that keeps you going, then that's a great... It does. Yeah, all right. So let's see what the Alta Rebbe says. All right. Uchsiv. It says. Where does it say this? Svas emes tikun laad v'ad argia l'shen shaker. Where's that pasuk from? Nobody knows. You guys aren't Bucky and Tanakh. Svas emes tikun laad. The lips of truth, or the language of truth, is eternal. Meaning, if it's true, you say the same thing every time. You don't change your story. V'ad argia, but only for a fleeting moment, l'shein shaker, is a tongue or a language of falsehood. Kahalas is a great guess, and you're almost correct. And your shirashirim is also a great guess. You, no, now you're getting no, colder. Mishle, mishle. Very good. King Solomon, the wisest of all men, said that the truth, a true word is forever, and a false word is for a moment. So when the baby says, I love you, Hashem, yeah, but after you finish davening, you love other things. Well, Contradicts Lush and Hara with the feathers all going in the air. With the feathers? I don't know. That's not a Chabad story. We don't tell the feathers. I don't know. The feathers. I have a hard time knowing what I don't know. The toothpaste, the feathers. I don't know. I don't want. Yeah, we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Any, anyway, listen to this. King Solomon, the wisest of all men, says that something that's true is forever. A word that's true is forever. And a lie, a word that's a lie, is only for a moment. Or maybe you can say it conversely. If it's only for a moment, that is proof that it is a lie. So if you say, I only love you, and then 10 minutes later you love other things as well, Still contradicts the then stop with the feathers. Okay. <laughs> if you ever heard me tell the feather story, you could hold it against me. Anyways. Now someone's going to dig up. A, I promise you I never told that feather story. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I use a foam pillow. I do. I have this hard. No, I don't. I don't like the down blankets. No. And the little goose feathers—they they stab you. I have sensory issues. I 
can't take it. I can't sleep in hotels either because the, the mattresses are mushy. You, can get new you can't change the mattress. No, but I try to change the pillows. No, even in the, no, they don't do it. Even in the fancy five-star hotels. Wow. No, they don't change it for me. They didn't do it for me. Well, okay. Me too. <laughs> okay. Do not get me. Do not get me down. Blankets or feathers or pillows. Nothing with feathers. Not a quill. Not a, nothing. Nothing with feathers. Not a bird. I don't want any, no feathers. Not a bird? No, no, nothing with bird. feathers. Nothing. That's you eat right. chicken? What? Do I eat chicken? I don't even like chicken. Oh. Except Chinese chicken because I'm Jewish. Okay. Oh, that was the one dish you made for your family. You said that Chinese dish. I made Kung Pao chicken. Yeah. Remembers everything. <laughs> you can be my chaser. Okay, guys, this class is getting crazy. And, and, you, and you know where it started? With your feather story, okay? With your pillow and the feather story. So this, this train wreck. Okay, all right. Back, back, back. Okay, back. King Solomon, the wisest of all men, said that if you say to Hashem, I love you and I love only you, and then 10 minutes later you're loving other things in addition to Hashem, then how true was it when you said, I love only you, right? Okay, so this is bothering the Altadab. By the way, Al-Tadabah personally doesn't have this problem. Al-Tadabah only loves Hashem all the time. So the fact that this is bothering him is because he cares about you. Well, he was a Tad. He doesn't need this. So on his, for, for, for his personal uh, use, he doesn't need to find an explanation for this because I'm good. I, I, I do have true love for Hashem. He's working now as a defense attorney to build a case for regular people who, who will not be able to achieve that constant love of Hashem, and yet he doesn't want to call their love of Hashem a lie. And he's working hard to prove that it's not a lie. Yeah. So here's what he says. The FLPK, nevertheless, even though... Even though something that is true has to be eternal, and if it's fleeting, it's false. He says it's relative, first of all. It's not absolute, it's relative. On the level of the Bainim, what they're feeling at the times of davening is called a pure service, and it is called true. And it's called their truth. Emes lamite shalahem. Their truth. It's relative. Ish, ish, Each one according to their level. In other words, it's not just a collective relative truth. It's an individualized relative truth where each and every individual Benini has an individual relative truth. By the way, this is the only place in Tanya where the Alter Rebbe speaks in first person. I hereby proclaim, I hereby proclaim, announce, that the, the love of God that the Bainim feel while they're davening, it is also called truth. Eternal truth. 
Rebbe, how could you call it eternal truth? The minute he stops davening, he walks out of the street and he sees other things that interest him as well. I'll explain to you, says the Alter Rebbe, why I call it eternal truth. Because their nefesh has the ability to go back and re-arouse this love forever. They can make that nefesh predominate over the nefesh on a daily basis whenever they daven. By preparing with the proper preparations according to their level. So here's what he says. Yes, truth has to be eternal and constant, but there are relative definitions of eternal and constant. One definition of eternal and constant means in actual fact, I am constantly feeling nothing but love for Hashem. Okay, that's definitely true love of Hashem, and that's a tzaddik. Or, alternatively, you could say like this. I'm not actively, currently, always feeling love for Hashem, but I always have the ability, if I put in the work required, to re-arouse that love. So that's also called constant, and therefore also called true. You understand what the alternative is saying, what's called constant? Not that they're actively in a state of exclusively loving Hashem all the time. That's only a tzaddik. But they're constantly able, if they put in the work, to get themselves into that place. Is it giving us any tools to rearrange? Not yet, not yet, not yet. But he's making a statement which is apparently extremely personal to the Alter Rebbe because this is the only place where he speaks in first person. So this is very important to the Alter Rebbe, that regular people who experience contained moments of, of love of Hashem, that 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 moment shouldn't be dismissed as irrelevant. irrelevant or fleeting or false just because it's not constant. And he says, yes, Emmas has to be constant, but I'll tell you what's constant. The ability to tap into it is constant. So they don't always have it, but they can always call it up, they can always summon it if they're ready to do the work required to make it happen. Yeah? I don't know that this is this this is this excludes a Russia. Okay. okay, maybe it could be a person who's in the pro, in the process of becoming a Bainini. The point is, he made a statement. Anytime you put in the work, you can get yourself into this zone. Okay, well, that, that's probably true for everybody. So, therefore, he calls it true. Now, I want to point out something to you that's kind of like, this is, I don't know how to uh, explain this. This is like fan fiction a little bit. Um, you know, like, like Star Wars nerds who have like non-canonical uh, stories about the, their favorite Star Wars characters. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So... I don't have a real, real, real source for this, but this is something that Chassidim say. I heard this from uh, Chaim Shol Brook from Lahak. He told me this. 
And it's not from the Rebbe, it's not, but whatever, it's just really cool, and I'm going to share it with this very geschmack. You know there's a minig that after you daven Shemineser, you say a posik that has your, the first and last letter of your name, right? I didn't yeah, yeah. It's a minig after you Shemineser. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's my pasuk. That's why I'm a night owl. Because it's about. Yeah, well, maybe find out what your pasuk is. Yeah, no, your pasuk is. We can look it up, but. Um, so if your name is Schneer, Altareb's name was Schneer Zalman. So what posik does someone named Schneer say at the end of davening? Sfas emes tikun la'ad v'adargiya l'shen shaker. Starts with a shin, ends with a resh. So according to this minig, every shmen three times a day on regular days, four times a day, Shabbos and Yom Tov and Roshchedish, five times a day on Yom Kippur. At the end of shmen the Alter Rebbe was saying, Sfas emes tikun la'ad v'adargiya l'shen shaker. No, he's also said the Zalman. But the point is like this. Think about it like this. Every time the Alter Rebbe davened, he davened like a tzaddik. And in the end of his tzaddik davening, he says a pasuk, which is his scriptural proof that even what a regular person is able to muster can also be referred to as truth. And the Alter Rebbe is saying here, in Tanya, means I hereby read, I hereby, hereby pronounce. He's describing something that he did, not just once in Tanya, but several times a day, every day. I pronounce, I say this Pasuk. I, Shneer Zalman, say this Pasuk. And in saying this Pasuk, when I finish my Tzadik davening, I make a statement about everyone else's davening that it should also be considered true, even though when they finish davening, they're going to get distracted with other things. It's a beautiful concept. Yeah. You follow this? You understand? Not really, no. You don't follow it? No. What don't you follow? I know you say the Pusik at the end, the of said it. What does the Pusik mean? The Pasuk means that something that is true is forever, which seemingly means that unless you're a tzaddik and you say you love Hashem, you're a liar. That's what it seems to mean. Right. The Altarebbe takes that same Pasuk and says, no, actually the Pasuk means that when you say you love Hashem, even though you're not a tzaddik and that love can come and go, it's still true. Why? Because when you put in the work, you're always able to get back into that place where you only love right, Hashem. So he, you're tapping into that. So he uses that Pasuk, the, he uses that Pasuk itself to prove that even regular people, their love of Hashem is real. Oh, that's what means. So when he's davening, he doesn't need that Pasuk, he doesn't have to invoke that Pasuk to save his davening. His davening is real love of Hashem. But every time he finished davening, he'd also have in mind regular people who are davening with a love that isn't going to stay active after they're finished. Yeah? He would say this exact pasuk where he would say this exact pasuk with his name? Right, well, he was also saying the pasuk with his name. 
That's why I said his name yeah, was yeah, Schneer yeah. Zalman. Uh, if your name is Schneer, you say Sfas Emes Tikun Lad Vargil Oshain Shaker. That's why he's saying Hareini Koira. I read this. He says, I read this Pasuk. Yeah, three times a day he reads that Pasuk. He finishes davening like a tzaddik, and then he says that Pasuk about the rest of us. I don't say it. You don't, why don't you say it? Because I say, Shira Malisina Bokos Hashem Kola, Evde Hashem Hong, the Bevese Hashem Malelis. I mean, yeah. talking about your own Pasuk. Yeah. Well, I say that Pasuk four times a day because uh, it's in, in Maidav. Oh. It's in the beginning it's of Maidav. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing you have time to give this class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight there's a lecture in my house, folks. We announced that was the first thing we said. Tomorrow that was the first thing we said. Spiritual spring cleaning at the Pevsner house. That's right. Yeah. You know what the Rebbe's Pesukim are? No. That's... For Menachem. And. Mendel's confusing because it could be Benayim. Yeah. That's, nice. that's Mendel. But you want to know that Pasuk about Mayanayim Samachlev. So that's a Pasuk also from Mishli. And so on that Pasuk, um, the Radak says. What does it mean, Ma'er Naimisamachlev? Ma'er Naim means the clarity of vision. Yisamachlev means it, it, it rejoices the heart. So he says over there, Ein Simcha Katoras There's no joy like putting aside doubt, getting clarity after you were in doubt. A lot of people know that Maimir Chazal, people don't know where it comes from. It comes from this Redak on that Pasuk. So basically, the Rebbe's Pasuk, or one of the Psukim of the Rebbe's name, means that there's no greater joy than having clarity and resolving doubt. And if you've been learning 30 letters in 30 days and learning not what the Rebbe said about things, but how the Rebbe said it. And to whom. And, well, the to whom is not so important when you learn the how. Because the to whom is only important if you're fixated on the what. People who are fixated, well, the Rebbe said to do such and such. Yeah, to that person. He didn't tell you to do it, but that's irrelevant. How did the Rebbe address this person? There's a style. I'm not going to get into it because if you're learning 30 letters in 30 days, you know that I, I talk about this all the time. There's a style. There's a mahalacha machshava, a certain, you call it a derech halimud, really. It's a way of understanding and dissecting and analyzing and, and coming to conclusions. And it's something that you can learn. It's something I believe the Rebbe modeled for us and that you can learn and you can use it to understand your life. Anyways, Ma'ir Namich Samich Lev, that uh, there's no greater joy than having clear mental vision. So that's one of the Rebbe's Pesukim. And it's very much, uh, I think, a personification of the Rebbe. At any rate, so the Alt Rebbe used to say, And here he says, And literally saying it three times a day. And he explains because they always have the ability to bring it back. Not that they're in active states of love of Hashem all the time, but that potentially they always can bring it back when they choose to put in the work to do so. Okay. 
Uh, let's finish the parak. Kihine midas emesi midasi shalyanke v'nikre b'riach hatichayin hamavriach min akatsa lakatsa. The attribute of Yankiv Avinu, the third of the Aves, is called the middle path, like the long stave of the, the pole of the Mishkan that wrapped around from one extreme to the other. Meruma Milus Medregas at Seif called Dargin, something that goes from the top to the bottom. And then on every level, it hits the center. What are we talking about? We're saying that something that is really emis, it starts at the beginning, it ends at the end, and it goes right through the middle of every level. If it's a little here, a little there, that's not emis. That's why the center path, is called emis. Why is he called emis? Because the middle path, which goes from the, the lowest of the low to the highest of the high and hits through the center of every lev- level, that's called emis. In other words, something that has a context and is compartmentalized and it's only true in certain places, like, listen, okay, when we're at the playground and you have a basketball, we're friends. But if you see me in the hallway at school, please do not acknowledge me. Suspicious, suspic- what do they call it? Suspiciously specific. At any rate, right? That's cold, huh? Yeah. Anyway, something that has a context, like, hey, Hashem, if I see you in shul and I've like, I've been davening, you're my only love. But if I'm in the middle of business, there might be some other things that I have to. Uh, take care of at the moment, right? Something that only has a certain place where it is true is not called emes. Emes has to be true everywhere, all the time, in every situation. So that's why it's called the center bar that goes from the lowest to the highest and goes through the central point of every level. That's the acronym Aleph Mem Sof. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, the, the, the first letter, the last letter, the center letter. Yeah, very, it's connected. Yeah. What are you going to say? Right. Right. Yankovino's Tiferis. Right. This is, this is, he, he doesn't mention that it's Tiferis, but yes, correct. That is Tiferis. Okay, let's, let's finish here. Shehi Nakudas Ubechinas Midas Amis Shalah. Everything that is the center, everything that is true on every level, is called the truth. The truth is limitless, and it, is, uh, it has, no, has no limit. I'm saying the same thing twice, but... He says, however, all the higher levels... Um, compare, when you compare lower levels to higher levels, the lower levels become like insignificant compared to the higher levels. In other words, this, he's going back to his idea of relative truth again. Okay, Remember, he was saying, and it was very important to him, to explain that there are different definitions of truth. Even though the definition of truth is that it's constant, and yet... 
that itself has a relative definition. What does constant mean? Constantly active? No. But constantly potential? Yes. So he, he says there could be a level where compared to a higher level, that, that truth of that lower level is considered not truth if you compare it to a higher level of truth. But if you compare it to itself, it is truth. So he says, you want to compare a Benini to a Tzaddik, okay, fine, it's very easy to, to uh, disqualify the Benini in that case. But if you look at the Benini and compare the Benini to his own truth, then you'll see that his love of Hashem does conform to a certain definition of truth which is constancy, and what's the constancy? He's constantly able to reawaken it if he puts in the work. Okay, as is known to the Kabbalists, the Kabbalists know that the head or the brains of a lower level is lower than the heels and the feet of a higher level, or like the sages say, that the feet of the highest angels are greater than everything else. The what angels? The chayos. They're called chayos ha-kodesh. It's a type of angel. That's not the point. The point is that if you look, if you compare something from a higher level to a lower level, then that higher level obviously is going to outclass the lower level. All right, in, in, forget about chayis, and it, it, it's not the point here. We're talking about tzaddik and bain. If you compare the, 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 the love that a tzaddik has for Hashem to the love even on the best day that a bain has for Hashem, obviously the tzaddik is going to completely outclass the bain because it's like, it's like saying like the best high school football player playing you know, some third-string professional player who, who got cut. Well, it's still incomparable. It's still incomparable. The pro is going to cream the, the high school player. Okay? So you're going to compare the, the greatest moment of love of Hashem that a Bainini has to what a, to what a Tzaddik has. Obviously, the Tzaddik is outclassing the Bainini. His feet are higher than the other's head. But don't do that. Look and a Bainini. What's, what's truth for a Bainini? What's true love of God for a Bainini? Not this impossible criterion of you constantly feel nothing but love for God. No, he's going to tell you, I don't. I don't. But rather, what's the criterion? Are you able, if you put in sufficient work, are you able at any time with sufficient work to reawaken that feeling? Yes, yes. If I have the time and if I have, you know, my schedule, I clear my schedule for the day, and I daven properly, yeah, I can get myself back into that headspace of loving no one but Hashem. Okay, good. So that's called constant, and that's called true, on the level of a Bainini. Okay?